recognition that the Dharma is medicine. Both as it's spoken and as we uh, bring it into our own experience. Jatindriya tomorrow will reflect more on Bodhanga. One just even thinking of them, the first thing that springs to mind is when senior disciples were sick, when the Buddha himself was sick, the medicine was to recollect these, the factors of enlightenment. And there's this beautiful verse that typically chanted as one of the blessing verses around us. <coughs> Sense that the Buddha was sick and asked one of his companions to talk about the enlightenment practice. And the Buddha's illness disappeared. Yeah. Even in that way, Dharma is medicine. Yeah, it brings sense of well-being and bring a sense of health, sense of possibility for ourselves. We sit here, we open, we notice what's present, what's going on. You know, my first inquiry for myself is what is needed here? What, what is what is happening? Where is the imbalance? What is the medicine? And this can be true when the mind is fully, seemingly open and equanimous. There's still 
that supports us to free up. There are beings who have done this work, made this cultivation. It's not up there, it's not too late in time. It's possible to wake up right here. When we try, we cultivate the capacity to wake up to what is happening in every moment. And this matures in the complete release of the heart. We can do it. And to sit down with this confidence. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it here, within the lives we are living. We can keep re-establishing mindfulness, opening the heart to what is happening, and waking up. This is confidence. When I was reflecting with one of you today, how there are you know, saying about some of the um, images of what this waking up looks like. Yeah, yeah, you go off for a cave for 15 years, or you're doing some other extreme practice, you've sat for 72 hours without moving. What it's supposed to look like. And one of my Dharma sisters, sat without moving for eight days. <clears throat> when she came out of it, she realised she started, needed to go and do some Theravadan practice and establish mindfulness. So it can look really fancy. It may not be waking up. So what here we're waking up. So to keep that confidence, it doesn't have to look like anything. And you know, we were talking and those of us over in the cottage have been talking a bit and just I don't know if you've had it, but that excruciating grief that you weren't born in the time of the Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. If you're not a Buddhist practitioner, it may not be such a sharp pain. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll have the pain that you're not able to dwell with someone so close, intimately, who is enlightened. Who really gets it. And you know, I was sitting before and I suddenly had this thought come. Oh, maybe we all made an aritana in the time of the Buddha Kasapa. Yeah. We made a determination in the time of the Buddha Kasapa that we would not come in the time of Gautama the Buddha. <laughs> We'd wait till the earth needed us. <laughs> yeah? being this field of waking up when it's needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's a different way of thinking about it, isn't it? We're not orphans. We're part of this urgent time. We're all over the place. People are gathering and waking up because if we don't, there won't be anywhere to live. So, it's this kind of faith that has courage and clarity in it. I had a really powerful experience. I've alluded a little to having been in Russia here. And before coming here, I was with the Ruskies in a forest about 70 miles out from central Moscow. And at the end of the retreat, some folks had gone home, but we had about 50 of us gathered in a circle. And my dear friend who has arranged all of this had, a, had an image when she was little of sitting in a circle with lights, sending lights, light out into the world. Yeah? So she said to me, what do you want to happen at the end of the retreat? And I said, do what you think is suitable. And they had made this beautiful light mandala of a Dhammachaka wheel. And we sat in a circle around it. And it was just extraordinary. On a personality level, I know people have been going through all kinds of stuff. But the field was just like this light down yet. Somehow this vision had come alive. And just to be in this field of waking up, this field of light. Isn't that incredible? Here am I sitting in Russia, and this is waking up happening. Did you know? There were people on that retreat who had been, you know, they were only 17, who had been practicing since they were 12 years old. Mm. In fact, they'd been practicing earlier, but that's when they started going on retreat. Mm. And having such clarity and insight and building communities of practitioners. You think, wow. We can we can lose touch with how much waking up is going on. It's not just here. It's all even down there in Kiki Kiki on the very (laughs) bottom of the world. There There are people cultivating. Wherever you go. No, it may look like Buddhist practice, or it may be taking some other shape. So we we have this faith. It is worth doing. It's possible. Other people are doing it. We're in a whole field of practitioners. And with this this faith that we start to glimpse you know, what's the Buddha talking about? That you know, lots of heads and notes in about the death rush, yeah? And the death rush, the sense 
that we can come out of confusion, out of grasping, out of dukkha, out of the whole experience of death, into something deathless. Now this can sound confusion, but it's about we are no longer thrown around by the conditions of the world. We have this refuge in awareness itself, in something that is not moving the conditions. And talking with you, yes, the sense that people have that they can actually be present to what is happening with this quality of refuge. This is the faith. And I had this lovely conversation with someone earlier and they were describing this really um, powerful, painful thing that happened. And and, the experience was of the mind being able to be with it and verses from the chanting arising. That refuge. And you know, we were talking then about what it's like when the mind is unhindered in this possibility. Because in that piece I first read about the hindrances, it talks about how when the mind is hindered, we cannot remember the teaching. We cannot remember the verses we've heard, let alone what we haven't heard. And so there's this possibility that we know when the mind is freed out of the, at least the surface hindrances, the recollection of the Dharma starts arising. We have faith. And this faith gives us energy. We're prepared to establish mindfulness, to come out of the proliferation of the mind, which is it's just thrown us all over the place. We have the energy, the, the capacity to, to actually come into the present moment, to establish mindfulness. This is a flow. Comes with faith, effort, energy, mindfulness. And with this, the mind collapses. It's a natural process. It has the capacity to be present with the way things are. It has that strength. <coughs> it's a direct flow. And with that presence, that capacity to hold steady, 
will start to be able to see what is actually happening. We start to see into whatever dukkha is happening, how it has been conditioned, the way the mind is holding on. <coughs> and then that seeing release happens. So, and this is why we're really cultivating the stability, the steadiness, the unification of mind, because we then can see. We may not see when we're sitting on the cushion. As we've been saying, some of this stuff ripens at some other time. Mysterious. No. Dear old Ananda in the suttas, you know, the Buddha's attendant who memorized so many of these teachings for us. There he'd been with the Buddha all that time, and his mind hadn't fully released. Maybe it wouldn't have helped to be with the Buddha, (laughs) (laughs) And then there's this lovely text where there's this big gathering happening and only those who are completely released in mind are allowed to attend. And it's about looking after and the teachings and the communities, yeah? and how they could think they're going to keep another out, I don't know, because you know, he's the principal person who has hurt them. But anyway, so he's practicing really intently, he has to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets up and lies down. It isn't working. And in that moment of lying down, the mind releases. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There, if you have time, there are incredible teachings of what are called the interrogata, from the enlightened monks and nuns, and these beautiful ones of the nuns. The nun's just tipping out the water she's washed her feet in. Been practicing diligently, but the mind is still held in some way. The water releases, and she says, just as the water flows away, my mind releases. So it's a mind that's really been attending to the anicca, to the, to the movement of things. Yeah, this is a really mysterious process. We keep cultivating. When that ripens, how it ripens, we don't know, do we? So we keep good heart. And 
times when we're a bit not so sure about this, we can recollect the teaching, we can keep with our good friends. We keep we keep coming back to re-establishing this confidence. It is possible. Just as it is possible right now to know what is happening. To come out of running and confusion. Just be here. Knowing it directly. So we we keep we keep heartful. Keep relaxing. And in in the way is I guess it's one of my favourite bits in the whole picture. There is this lovely bit where I've been talking about Sariputra and the Buddha, about these factors of mind. And Sariputra has this bit where he said, and again and again, establish energy, mindfulness, again and again. Yeah, that's how it is, isn't it? It has this constancy in it. This is it, like. But we just keep loyal, faithful, constant in the practice. Again and again. We sit down each time. We open the mind. We feel what's happening. We see what the medicine is. Is faith established? Has energy arisen? Is mindfulness established? Is the mind coming to a place of collectiveness out of fragmentation? Is there this capacity to look directly at things? And we can check, yeah? These factors have to be balanced. So, the calming, the quiet, the samadhi has got to intense. You know, more energy is aroused. If this factor of faith is out of balance, then the discernment of wisdom may be needed. So, in all the Buddha's teachings, isn't it? It's about finding balance, this, this middle, this evenness. And always mindfulness sits at the centre. Right mindfulness. So we're knowing what's happening. Feeling it. And we know what we're doing. We're, we're freeing a mind out of ignorance and confusion. Mm. 
The mind needs it, the planet needs it. So, can we keep with a sense of this practice, practicing medicine, medicine for the pain of suffering? And we're noticing it when it's flaring up. And having to receive some of the karma in the mind and body. And we're noticing it when the mind is so fine, but there's still most subtle of agitation. And one of the medicines of the wisdom faculty is this insight into nature, into the coming and going of things, to the, the way things come together and expand. So this is one of the primary wisdom medicines. And we see it in the Anapanasati Sutra. Because the more profoundly we see into this, the more we're freed out of the kind of conceit of personality, the pain of me here, arising on ignorance. So we're freeing out of that. <coughs> so this is a medicine, really starting to directly know the movement of things. And when the faculties, the factors all come together, we glimpse Nibbana, as it's described. What is seen is, what what arises, ceases. I think we talked in the beginning about when Sariputta met the the Nivasaji, his faculties were so bright. You clearly had insight. And the teaching that Sariputta was given was really interconditionality. And the insight was, when there is this, there is that. this ceases, that ceases. And it is. And the more profoundly we see into this, the more freed up we are. And we know what we condition in this moment has effect. In this lovely little sutta. 
It starts with the other faculties. And after this again and again, the, the practitioner has insight into rising and ceasing. And they have full confidence in the Buddha, the knowing and teaching practice. This is their faculty of faith. So it's really, see these things just keep maturing, supporting each other, working together. So sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes the mind can feel overwhelmed by feelings, memories, whatever is happening. Oh, and the work is always to come into here. Recognize dukkha and see what is needed. Sometimes we need to lie down. Sometimes something else is needed. So it's a subtle thing, isn't it, this practice? It's not formulaic. It's responsive. turns us to respond here and to respond there and to have the capacity to meet everything. So, I don't know about you, but I find it helpful to keep connected with what I'm really doing. And if I have to think of myself, what I am. Mm. So, for me, if I have to conceive of myself, Mm. it says, a disciple of the Buddha. Mm. It's a first thing. Mm. In terms of cultivation. And I'm in this huge transmission behind me and around me. So we keep connected to Sangha. Our own capacity to awaken. There's fields and fields of waking up that are happening. Can we keep so broad? Maybe it feels like a depression, but talking with some of you, you what it feels like to be in this country at this time. And what it feels like to look from the continent, Zealandia, and the bottom of the Pacific. 
and how different maybe it looks when you're looking with space and distance. The way it can help us to look at what is happening in our lives. It's tricky stuff, isn't it? Because things can be happening that we find really disturbing. What are we noticing? Down there we get odd reports. Thirty-five people were on this march of hate. Forty-five thousand came out to say they didn't agree. I was, we were fortunate, you know, that, you know, when people coming into the country were blocked for various reasons. And I, we were sent a clip and it showed airports over here just filled to a standstill with people. Yeah. Shouting, fill the wall, we'll tear it down. Yeah. And I don't know what it felt like here. But from over there, I thought, darkness doesn't stand a chance. So we keep trying. We start trying to really notice in a really big way what's happening. It's so easy to lose heart. So to be on the level of the cells, the country, be here personally. I think, oh, we need to be really careful have a look at the stuff. Mm. So we keep confidence and willingness. Mm. Mm. I'm not from here, so maybe it's not right even to talk a little about the politic of it, but just so striking how how our minds can get caught. Because stuff is painful. Can we come around that? So that we're seeing in a big way. We're seeing with the country, we're seeing with ourselves. We can be so caught in whatever excruciating thing is happening, that we're not in touch with our own goodness, our commitment to practice, the generosity with which we live our lives, the love, the feelings of love we live within. So it's the same movement, isn't it? Actually, come out of the contraction into a different way of perceiving what's happening. Here we are waking up. Mm. We can wash through the mind our commitment. Mm. What it takes to give up nine days to be here. Mm. Surely we can trust ourselves. Mm. 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.